Hi, this is Ken Clark. I'm the minister of the Old First Church in Bennington, Vermont. This is another recording of our worship services held at the Old First Church during this year when we have not been able to gather at the church itself. We have been recording the services and posting them on our website. You can find them posted weekly on the website and also as a podcast entitled A Walk to Cleo Hall, which is on Spotify, Anchor, and other broadcast apps. This service is intended for December 13th, 2020, the third Sunday in Advent. The organist is Jean-Marie Callahan, and the preacher is Ken Clark.
Welcome to the Old First Church in Bennington, Vermont. As we open this Advent season Sunday worship, please join us, if you will, in saying the opening words responsively, which are found in the order of service. Sing praises to the Lord, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is. The Lord our God is near always. Let us pray for the peace of God's presence. Our first hymn is Arise, Your Light is Come. Join me, if you will, in saying together our opening prayer. Almighty God, light of the world, you cause light to shine out of the darkness in the advent of Christ. You continually open to us the ways we are to prepare. We confess our failure to see the light and to walk in your ways. We have not always opened our eyes to the needs of others, and our feet have wandered from the paths of justice and peace. We ask that the Spirit of Jesus be born anew in us, that our hearts may be stirred to glorify the hour before us with acts of compassion and service. Amen. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy, if we confess our faults, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. first lesson is from the Old Testament book of Isaiah in sections 
from the 61st chapter, verses 1 through 4, and then 8 through 11. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all those who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations, and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. Here ends the first lesson. Our hymn is Watchman, Tell Us of the Night.
second lesson is taken from the first letter to the Thessalonians in the fifth chapter, verses 16 through 24. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise the words of the prophets, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do this. Here ends the second lesson. This is the third Sunday in Advent. I believe this is the Sunday in the English tradition, sometimes referred to as Steer Up Sunday, which is why in our opening prayer we had those words, may our hearts may be stirred to glorify the hour before us. So Steer Up Sunday is taken from one of the Psalms and a phrase out of the psalm set for this third Sunday in Advent, stir up Sunday. So I don't know where you are and how you're doing, whether you're all stirred up or not. You'll find in this sermon, if you listen carefully, and I speak of this much longer, that I often pronounce the word stir up as steer up. So we'll see how that works. I think I'm going to give up speaking about stirring up things right now and go on to something first from our readings for today. Two wonderful readings um, in Isaiah, the promise of work to be done, building up the ancient ruins, the idea of getting back to work, the idea of coming through hard times and devastation. And then one Thessalonians between Stir up Sunday in Thessalonians. It's a real challenge for me this Sunday. But at any rate, in 1 Thessalonians, the positive news also, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. Real words of both benediction in a way here in the, in the letter, but also words of comfort and perspective and strengthening words. Something that we, I'm sure, need in this time that we are going through, because it is, as I'm going to talk about this morning, a a rather dark time. I want to begin in thinking about that and the sense of the words in Thessalonians of pray without ceasing. I was reading, as I often do, out of Frederick Buechner's writings, and um, he had this to say for this week in the lectionary uh, about praying and praying without ceasing. We often pray and wonder what it's all about. And here's what Beekner has to say about this idea of prayer. Whatever else it may be or not be, prayer is at least talking to yourself, and that's in itself not always a bad idea. Talk to yourself about your own life, about what you've done, and what you failed to do, about who you are, and who you wish you were, and who the people you love are, and the people you don't love, too. 
talk to yourself about what matters most to you, because if you don't, you may forget what matters most to you. Even if you don't believe anybody's listening, at least you'll be listening. Those are great words and a great description of prayer uh, from Beekner. I often talk to myself, and now I'm much more comforted having read his words to know that I'm not just talking to myself, I'm praying. So uh, take that with you this week if you find yourself saying something out loud. Remember, as long as uh, the words are relatively decent, you're praying. And his attention to taking time and vocalizing our inner life, saying it out loud, perhaps on a walk, perhaps in a room alone. These are the safest ways to do this, obviously. He's running against that idea that people who talk to themselves might be crazy. But for the most part, this intentional speaking out of your feelings, of your life, of your perspective, is a healthy exercise. And it's one that allows us to shape our own lives and give ourselves perspective. And at the very end, he also is good enough to mention the fact that even if you don't believe anyone's listening, for those who are relatively atheistic about these things, um, prayer is a helpful thing. It's a safe bet, as Pascal would would put it. I believe that was his wager, uh, to be able to pray, to put these things into words. And even if no one else is listening, uh, we've done something for ourselves and If our prayer is right and true, we've done something for the world. We've made it a better place, and we've made ourselves that much better. I want to take some time off from the scripture and some of the Advent themes of waiting uh, to go back to an earlier theme for this week and to speak a little bit, frankly, about some other things about the Christmas season coming upon us. We know we are set in this year with Christmas coming, And it's a hard and difficult year. Most times, when Christmas comes, preachers might be talking about how to de-stress your life, that you're doing too much, that you're running around and you're going to parties and you're having obligations and having all kinds of things to do and you're frankly worn out. The preacher is supposed to tell you to slow down, to create some quiet time. Well, this year... Uh, we're all sitting in a room alone somewhere. We can't go to the Christmas party. The office is closed. You can't even go out to a restaurant and listen to some gossip from the table next to you. This is a very different kind of Christmas. And yet, although it is different, it's got its own very unique kind of stresses. And more than that, I think that this Christmas has as many people experience in this season a depressive aspect as well. Depression mostly because we have lost something we hold dear. We're not doing so many things that are familiar. I know with stress in the Christmas season, there are two kinds of people. There are people who rush around and do everything because if they sat still for a while, they'd go crazy. And there are other people who just uh, in the season itself, get so depressed by doing nothing. So whatever case you find for yourself, 
I would like to share with you that it's kind of a real thing this season. We've all lost something. We've lost going to church. We've lost human connections. We've perhaps even lost jobs. We've lost income. Uh, We've lost a sense of tradition and anchor in our community. We feel perhaps pushed around by circumstances and events far beyond our control. If we have children, we're wondering about how they're going to fare and what's going to happen to them and how well they are. If we have older parents or grandparents, we're wondering about if they'll make it through. All kinds of difficult things this season, and on top of it, the fact that Christmas is meant to be that time that lifts us out of this depression. Christmas, although it has for some, and obviously every season I preach, I'm always remembering people who were looking back to the past of Christmas past and mourning some loss that is no longer real for them in a present Christmas or in a Christmas present. But Christmas, with its festivals and traditions, is meant to lift us up, to give us hope. Strange thing about Christmas and the gospel, we don't know very much about how Jesus was born and when and where. There are all kinds of conjectures as to what happens. If you go back to your Bible and you read the four different accounts, uh, you'll find some with almost no account at all, and every other account will be contradictory. No one gets the story straight. Why is that? Well, the reason, of course, is because the significance of Christ and the life of Christ is in the end, not the beginning. Nobody was paying attention when this child was born. Who knew? Nobody knew. There were the prophets. There was Mary. There were words to Joseph and perhaps John the Baptist uh, baptizing. were beginning to give some form to the significance of this life. But nobody sat back recording the exact details. That's why particularly this year as we move into the Gospel of Mark, the Mark and Gospel is so quick, so brief to get from the early days to the ministry of Jesus the last three years. So in fact, the question of when Christmas is, is always a matter of conjecture, something we really can't ascertain. We know the time of Jesus' death because of its coinciding with the Passover festival, But as to his birth, a little bit more mystery. We've located it, for various reasons, in midwinter. One reason people suspect is because there were already festivals at that point. And so the birth of Christ becomes a way of piggybacking upon those earlier festivals and a way, in fact, of overtaking them, a way, of, in fact, of absorbing them, and making them their own, in some sense, removing the competition, taking the best day, the best time, the best festival for this particular celebration. The old festivals, what were they? Well, we all know that the old festivals usually, at least in the northern hemisphere, coincided with the shortest day of the year, the solstice. There was, in the olden times, that mystery about the shortest day of the year. The fear is every year things get darker and darker. And then finally on that pivot day, the solstice, the sun returns 
as if someone is moving away from you, someone is leaving, perhaps for good, and suddenly that person far in the distance stops and turns and returns to you. What a wonderful feeling, that point, that stopping point, where the person turns and comes back. That's somewhat the sense of the solstice, that shortest day of the year, that darkest day when things can only seem to get worse, and suddenly someone turns and things begin to get better. That day for us this year is going to be Monday, December 21st. Now, next week I'll be preaching more about Christmas itself and some Christmas themes, so I won't be talking to you about these other things. But Monday, December 21st, mark it in your calendar. Here in Bennington, the sun will rise at 7.20 in the morning and set at 4.21. Ugh, terrible. There will only be, on that day, a few hours of daylight. And if you're in Bennington and know anything about January, uh, December in Vermont, the chances that the sun will be shining are even 50-50. So who knows how light it will be. But we do know that that day will be six hours and 20 minutes shorter of daylight than a day in June, the longest days of the year. Six hours and 20 minutes, six and a half hours. That's almost an entire workday difference in terms of the amount of light in your life. And this, again, is one of those reasons why festivals at this time crop up, because with the absence of light, not only is it an existential threat, will it keep getting dark forever, but it's also affecting our personalities, our spirit. We're getting depressed. Uh, some people say, that as winter comes, it's a question of uh, anticipation and reward. When you know when it gets cold, it's going to get dark, well, and even colder. Well, there's anticipation there as the leaves come off the trees, but what is there of reward in that anticipation? Absolutely nothing. And so it is, people say, that this solstice time is the exact time to substitute something good for something bad. In other words, let's have a party, uh, a festival. It was practical as well, because about the shortest day of the year, there are still going to be cold and wintry days before us. It will take a, lot, a while for the earth to respond. But on that shortest day of the year, it was time to hunker down. The harvest was finally in. And indeed, in some circumstances, this was the time that cattle were slaughtered because the estimate was made, the calculation was made, that it would be better to slaughter these animals for meat now rather than to feed them little through the long winter. And so, when you're slaughtering the animals and bringing in the meat, what better time to have a great roast beef or some other great Christmas tradition feast dinner. Happily enough, it was also the time when the new liquors and wines that had been made were just beginning to ferment, and you perhaps could pop open a bottle and enjoy some fresh mead with your meat. So you see, nature conspired to make the festival 
at this time of year, the shortest day, a very sensible and, and good thing. It not only kept people's spirits up, but it solved certain problems. What do you do with those cattle out in the yard who were looking to be fed? What, what should you do with all this uh, uh, beverage that you've just made? What should you do with that harvest that you've brought in? And you would do it all with the knowledge that January, February, March, those were the lean years, the lean months, the time you would be waiting for the grass to green, for the first sprigs to come up, for the lambs to be born, for life to return. Good time to have Easter, probably. This was the situation for a lot of people in the Northern Hemisphere. This is why in the Germanic traditions, they had a festival called Yule, and they had a great Yule tide. This is why in the 13th century, a famous author by the name, and now that I've said Stir and Thessalonians, guess what I'm going to say? I'm going to pronounce the name of the Norwegian author Snorri Sturluson, Snorri Sturluson. S-N-O-R-R-I, great name for a child, Snorri Stuleson. He wrote in the Heimskurlinga about the festivals, probably celebrated at the time by the Norwegian kings, and I'm not even going to pronounce their names. They weren't named Olaf. So I'm taking you on a journey, and why am I doing that? I'm taking you on that journey to say, yes, indeed, the days will be dark. Yes, indeed, we have a festival here at this time that we know uniquely is Christmas and has special relevance to us, but we see there are two different tracks here. The fact of Christmas, the fact of Christ's birth, is out of time and context for us. It's great to have the festival and to celebrate at this time. But Christ is born in every climate. Christ is born in every heart. Christ is born in every place. Christ is born to those who are happy or those who perhaps are sad. The danger, and this returns to Isaiah, as I was reading about these festivals and such, about folklore, one commentator said, jokes exist only because an unbroken chain of people keep telling them Songs exist because we keep singing them. We choose to engage in traditions as much as they choose us. It's very important to remember this year, as we've lost so much. It's very important to remember that we, like the people in Isaiah, have work to do in the coming years. We cannot lose these traditions. We must not lose these traditions because they keep us. They keep us as a loving and a kind people. They keep us connected. They make us human. Much as God shows us the divine, these traditions of worship make us truly human, God's people, children loved by God. And so it is that we have work to build up the ancient ruins, to raise up the former devastations, to repair the ruined cities and the devastations, not of many generations, but of many months. I truly worry, among my darker thoughts, about where our traditions and habits might go. And so this Christmas, we must fill our hearts with cheer at a time when it seems nearly impossible. 
It's an act of will this year, but it's an important act. It's an important act as much as it was for those who celebrated in those dark nights thousands of years ago at Stonehenge or New Grange. It's as important for us to raise our eyes to the stars and to see that the light will come. Important for us that we will sing songs again, that we will gather, that we will celebrate. And so, rather than focus on what we lose this season, let's focus on preparing for what we will gain with renewed appreciation when the light comes. Amen. Our hymn is People Look East. pleasure to welcome you to the Old First Church here in Bennington, Vermont today. Just to add on to my sermon in the spirit of Martin Luther, when I talk about resuming and rebuilding, I'm not just trying to get everyone to come back to church either. I want you to go out on Friday night. I want you to go back to the movies. I want you to go and visit your friends. Give them some kind of warning that you're coming, but maybe if they're a good enough friend, surprise them. Do all kinds of crazy things. It's very important. That's our life. That's what God made us for. That's why we have this life, to enjoy it. And no matter how dark this season may seem, we have the ability to make it light. And if not light today, the light will come in the days ahead. 
So, I think Martin Luther would approve that. He liked to go down to the tavern and hang out with uh, his old monk friends from time to time. I'd like to welcome you this Sunday, in addition, seems to be a Sunday in which I'm stirring up a lot of jokes, so um, we'll leave it at that and go on to thank Nancy Andrews, who produces our order of service and takes care of myriad details, and also Jean-Marie Callahan, our organist who comes. The church is very nice and warm today. We've had a few chilly days in church, and uh, it's a good day with the sun shining here as we prepare this service for everyone to enjoy. I do want to look ahead as it is the third Sunday in Advent and let you know a little bit of what to expect. First, as to lighting of the Advent wreath, um, we're going to do them sequentially. The first candle is lit and up. The second candle is not yet lit. It's this now almost the third Sunday in Advent. And these things will appear in the weeks before Christmas, but they're not necessarily going to appear right when they're supposed to appear on the Sunday. Now, market, the people in marketing, in the marketing department, would tell you that's great. You'll get people checking back to the website many different times, and we can sell more stuff. But that's not what we're about. But you will have to check back to the website from time to time to get these uh, lighting of the Advent wreath episodes. Uh, they're not coming in all at once. It's kind of a busy time of year. So uh, be patient, and things will appear. Um, the other thing I should let you know is that we're hoping to produce a little bit of video for right around Christmas, sometime between the 21st and Christmas, uh, that'll give you some sense of the spirit of the old first church at Christmas time. Um, but again, that's a promise. We don't know how these things will go. They're all in kind of production, and we're making things come together as time goes on. Fingers crossed on all of these things. And finally, you can mark your calendars in pencil, but right now it looks like about 5 p.m. on Christmas Eve. Uh, we will gather out in front of the church and uh, have a very short service uh, even though the governor, governor Scott's rules right now are that we are not to have a lot of uh, events, I don't think worship is fully prohibited. So we will worship outside the church at 5 p.m. Bring your own candle. We're simply going to have a short prayer and uh, sing Silent Night as we do at worship at the Old First Church every Christmas Eve. We will do that again this year. And it will be a little bit different. It will be very brief. So if you're traveling many miles, uh, it's only going to be about a 10-minute event. But um, it would be worth it if you can join us. be happy to see you. It's also only a 10-minute event because it might be raining. It might be snowing. It might be 30 below zero or it might be 45 degrees. One never knows. Those are all the announcements I have. I hope some of those will cheer you up a little bit. And if there are, well, I know there are no, no one here in the church is going to stand up with an announcement this morning. But sometimes people do stand up, and when they do, they ask us to think about a friend or a relative where things may not be going very well. Something happened in the family. Uh, they have a sorrow to share, a prayer to ask for. 
a concern. Some have joys. Some introduce friends. I welcome new guests, visitors to the church who perhaps might become members in time. I'm looking out at the church right now in the meeting house, and the pews are empty. But soon there will be people back here doing those things. Perhaps today you're thinking about that, a joy, a sorrow, a friend. Uh, So take some time during our prayer today to remember them. Now, the morning offering for the work of our church, which, by the way, you may participate in by mailing something into the First Congregational Church, One Monument Circle, Old Bennington, Vermont, 05201. Put something in the mail and you're part of the morning offering today. The morning offering for the work of our church will now be received.
give thee but thine own, whate'er the gift may be, all that we have is thine alone, a trust, O Lord, from thee. Let us pray. Dear God, be with us this day. Stir up our hearts to anticipate good things to come. Keep us strong for the dark of night. Keep us strong for sadness at the door. Keep us strong to see that light will come and light will shine. Keep us strong through these times, no matter how confusing, how hard, how lonely. Keep us strong and stir us up to that good news which comes to every place, to everyone in every season. Help us to pray, pray without ceasing. Help us to hold on to what is good, to test and see the goodness of this life before us. Enable us in these weeks to reach out to others, to share our common humanity, to share the love which Christ showed us in his life, in his actions, in his words. Help us to keep our faith strong. Help us to remember our traditions. Help us to remember the song, to remember the words, to remember the hope and Christ's promise. Be with this world as things change. Our hope for peace never changes. Our concern for those without a home or a job, without a friend, our concern with those for those without a voice. These things do not change. They are the core of the words that tell us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And so be with us in this season as we look upon an earth both dark and beautiful, a place of promise, a place of hope yet, for all of us. Be with us as we pray and keep us strong. Be with us so that when it is time to smile, we may be ready. And may that time of happiness be near for each and all. Pray for our families and our church our community, our nation, this world. We pray that all of your creation, O oh God, can be seen as full of wonder, intention, and life. Now in silence we make our prayer to you.
Amen. And as Jesus taught us, we pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Our hymn is See Amid the Winter's Snow. May God bless us and keep us. May God's face shine upon us and give us peace this day and evermore. Amen.
Thanks for listening. In the week ahead, be of good cheer and live your faith. Check in again next week when we hope to have another service for you. Permission to podcast and stream the service music is granted under license number 3009679 from CCLI with all other creative rights reserved.